from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Happy Friday Eve, everybody. It is the G and Ursula. So, Ursula, I just wanted to let you know, I'm only on three. Three cups of coffee, and for some reason, it feels like I had like seven or eight. Uh-oh. Yeah. So, I apologize in advance. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I know what that means, uh, but it's going to be really good that you are a little hyped up on the coffee. Because or- my, my opinions today, I don't like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I get those feelings. You're going to feel like we're we're feeding you vegetables when we we have our top stories this morning. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. It is. But But we're going to try to have a lot of fun, too. But I just want to warn folks. As I warn you, I'll ask you. Has there ever been something that you had an opinion about that you don't feel that great about it? But you can't can't lie. You can't deny it. It just is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or you're, you're saying something and you're like... Well, this is, as Chef said the other day, this is the pretend chef. Oh. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's easier to say what you think sounds good, but then when you get right down to it. But it's okay. All right. Because this is a show that we welcome all opinions. All right. Uh, I saw one of these flip-flops. We we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. Top stories of the day brought to you by Waste Scar 40, Zusu and Auburn. We're now just getting word that the asylum seekers in Tequila who've been put up in hotels during the below freezing temperatures will have just a few more days before they have to return to their tents at a local church. About 50 refugees had to leave their rooms at the Homewood Suites yesterday morning after money from the Riverton Park United Methodist Church ran out. And while advocates for the refugees were able to fundraise enough cash for a couple of additional days at another hotel, there's no plan after that. And speaking through interpreters, some of the refugees told King 5 News they desperately need help with medical care, more permanent housing, work permits, and legal assistance. Most claim this. Yeah, we believe that the state of Washington, the city of Tequila, and the government of the United States are able to help us, and we're really asking for that. We're asking for a safe, a long-term, and sanitary housing. So these asylum seekers are refusing to return to the tents where they've been staying outside that Tequila church. They say the conditions there are inhumane. Pastor Jan Bowlerjack tells Como 4 News she understands their frustration. They deserve better than having to sleep in a tent. How long all this is going to last? Until someone else steps up and has a place for these people to live. These folks are asylum seekers. They can't work. So we've been talking about the homelessness crisis all around the region, but also specifically in Tequila and what's been going on there. And so this church has taken in a a bunch of these refugees who have no place to go. And so as of December, as many as 500 people were living on that church property. And the Seattle Times reports that on any given day, you'd have people sleeping in rows of tents outside the building in the mud. And there aren't enough bathrooms and showers for everyone who's packed into that property. So it's easy for uh, illnesses to spread. Um, it's really a tough condition, but it raises a lot of questions, too, given the homelessness crisis that we're dealing with. Right. So we're dealing with so much and there's no way that anybody is going to be satisfied and or happy. And what I mean by that is this here at home, people that 
are from the United States that live in the United States, we have a housing affordability issue, right? We also have that issue that kind of leads to being unhoused. Also, we have a drug problem in this country. Nobody's going to deny that, right? So sometimes when folks are unhoused out there, they're chronically homeless, and then they get dependent on a drug problem. You see those things happening out there. And we also have asylum seekers that are happening as well. So with all of that being said, Ursula, I'll just say this. Right now, I'm to the point where I have empathy for the people that are asylum seekers that come here. No question, no doubt about it. But here in the United States, there are a lot of people that are trying to get health care. There are a lot of people that are trying to get and try to afford housing. And the only thing that I don't like today is I'm thinking about right now the one person that says, I don't want to cheat the system. I want to work hard. I want to do the best that I can. And it feels like right now in this climate in America, there is no room for that person. There's no room for the person that says, I want to do it the right way. I want to try to work. I'm not talking about anybody coming into this country. I'm talking about specifically here right yeah. now. Well, specifically in this case, though, we are talking about people who are coming into this country. They're whether they're, they're they're escaping violence or they're 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 dealing with horrible conditions or whatever it is. And and I feel for them. But my question is. First of all, this church has been accepting that more than 500 people as of December at one point. And, and, and according to the pastor, she doesn't know like how the word has gotten out, but the word's gotten out that they would just keep taking people. Well, if you keep if you keep taking people and the message is you will keep taking people. Well, what's going to happen when now you have below freezing temperatures and there's no place for them? Mm-hmm. The church spent thousands of dollars to try to get the um, the. Uh, people some some uh, hotel rooms, but they can't. It's not sustainable. None of this is sustainable. So during this freezing, uh, below freezing temperatures, um, they tried to help advocates working with these refugees were trying to uh, help them get housing through the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. Well, we've talked about their issues, too, and they have uh, they spent money finding hundreds of spots for people across the region. But you're competing with thousands of people who need spots. Right. We have such a sh- severe shortage. So the one thing that I th- I believe that ha- needs to happen in this particular case is the word needs to get out that there's no r- more room at the inn, sadly, mm-hmm. f- for for people coming from elsewhere. And then you can't come and then expect that there is going to be a- a- an immediate solution. There isn't one. You, and you want to know how they're putting the word out? They're putting the word out by saying, hey, um, there's here pretty soon, the, w- the weather is going to get a little bit better. We're going to have to have you guys. We don't have the room and the space for anyone. So, again, I, I this is the topic that I was talking about. I told you I didn't like the way I was feeling about things. And the way that I'm feeling right now is is this. We know we don't even have enough room to house folks here. Exactly. That are already here. No, I hear you. And so in escaping from violence and things like that, no doubt, I believe, and know for a fact there's violence down there. I mean, heck, there's violence here, right? There's violence everywhere in the country. So I guess what, and I'll throw this back to you, and I'll ask everyone, what is our order of importance when it comes to taking care of people? Or do we take care of us first? Because right now, we are not even taking care of us here in this country. And that is what makes it even just that much more complex. 
and, and we've talked about the severe shortage of housing that still has not been addressed and they can't make these spots fast enough. Um, so I, I think that the flow that is coming into this particular church, I mean, the heart is in the right place, yep. but it's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and now they're demanding that we, we need we need the, the government to come in and uh, give us money for this, that and the other thing. Uh Right now, the, the feds haven't stepped up, mm-hmm. and you know everyone locally and regionally is just everyone's pointing fingers. No one has a solution. Um, the the other thing I was going to mention is that um, many of these uh, people are from, uh, according to the Seattle Times, Venezuela, Congo, Angola, um, and that uh, the word is that some migrant shelters along the U.S.-Mexico border also have been sending families to SeaTac on planes and just telling them, go to that church. I mean, that message needs to stop. Like, there's, there's no place for, they're not able to take on, I mean, and it is it, it is inhumane what they're dealing with right now. Right. Do, you, do you want a villain in this? Because there is a villain in this, and this is the federal government the federal and, and government the utter failure yes. of Congress to deal with asylum seekers. It takes an average of four years for an asylum seeker to get a hearing. And while they are here, they have a legal right to be in the United States of America, but they don't have a legal right to work. So if you're going to say you can't work and it's going to take four years to process your application, don't you think we have an obligation to do something to help these people at a federal level or at a state level? Because we can say... Yes. Well, we can't help everyone, but they have a legal right to be here, and we're preventing them from providing for themselves. And I think it would be great if we could help them provide for themselves by making it possible. So, you know, we've talked about yeah. path to citizenship or, or just path to be able to work, even on an emergency basis. Yes. But there's none of that. Yep. So, yes, we. I guess we need to do a better job of letting being able to allow them to work. No, no, no question. So they can be able to take care of themselves. But we are also trying to say, like, hey, to guarantee them health care and guarantee them assistance and finances and everything when there are people here. Like, that's the part that has exactly. me. That's the part that has me tired. Yes. Like, it's like running on a treadmill for hours and not losing a pound. Yeah. That's and, where and, I and am right not, now. What you're not saying, which I've seen a lot of people say, send them back to their country. No, I'm not. That's, and I know that's not no. your that's not your sentiment. That's no. not. But there is that frustration, like. Some people will look and go, well, wait a minute. Why, why would they get priority over we're, you know, we're here. We're dealing with the same thing. We don't ha- we can't make demands of the government to say, uh, give us this, give us that, um, give us the other thing. So, I mean, it needs to stop. It is a crisis. It's a crisis. You want to, and again, that again, doesn't have an easy solution. But, but, but can we. If there's a crisis to be taken care of, Ursula, you know how you got some bills that need to get paid yes. and you figure out which you one to, to pay? You prioritize. Yes, exactly. So if there's a crisis going on, can, yes. can we can we take care of the ones here first? Is I hope I'm not, you know, you know, mad, the bad guy for saying, can we take care of us first? No, I, I, then I, I, I let's hear go. you. I, I, I hear you. And I think that a lot of people would yeah. feel the same way. Yeah. Okay, uh, last check. Boeing 737 MAX still grounded this morning after that fuselage door plug blew off that Alaska Airlines flight from Portland earlier this month. The FAA, as of yesterday, had done 40 inspections so far. And now Alaska CEO Ben Minicucci has sent out a video message to traveling customers and trying to reassure everyone that the airline is committed to safety. Please know there is nothing more important to all of us at Alaska Airlines than the safety of our employees and you, our guests. 
Owning safety is our number one foundational value and one that is deeply personal. So he says there's no timeline on the return of the MAX 8 to operations. In addition to the FAA and Boeing's reviews, Alaska is also now going to do its own exhaustive review of Boeing's production and quality control. And starting this week, we will enhance our own quality oversight of Alaska aircraft on the Boeing production line, adding more experienced professionals to the teams that validate work and quality on the production line for the 737. Okay, this was a tough time for Alaska Airlines travelers because as of this morning, 65 of Alaska's jets are about 20% of their fleet out of service. The airline's been canceling up to 150 flights a day. Um, so it's it's definitely been a hit to Alaska Airlines. But listening to him, listening to the CEO of Boeing, Dave Calhoun, what do you want to hear as someone who travels frequently? What do you want to hear for when it comes to reassurance? Are, 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 were you I was satisfied super, with, with I was with this? super excited by the Alaska CEO, right? Because first of all, super excited. No, well, no, no. Meaning super excited in his message, in his delivery to all of us. There were no bells and whistles. There was no fancy this. There was my man sitting there in front of a green screen, and he's looking right at the camera, and he has a direct message. In that message, he gives his apologies. In that message, here's what's happening. In that message, oh, by the way, because of the, the planes that have been grounded, there's going to be 100 to 115 uh, flights canceled a day. And also, because of that message, he says in it, this is going to be the plan going forward. This is it. I thought, considering what we are asking for as consumers, we want to know what the direction is and the plan is. What's Alaska doing? Now, I didn't feel that same way out of Boeing, to be honest with you, but I thought Alaska's CEO hit a home run with his message. Yeah, because he actually said specifically, you know, sadly, it, it takes an incident to suddenly say, okay, we're going to put an additional layer of oversight here. You know, Boeing hired this retired, I want to say admiral, um, to oversee all the additional oversight that they'll be doing. But Boeing has had to answer to two devastating crashes where hundreds of people died. And it's not even clear still with with the, with the company. Like, what has changed? What has improved? Yeah. Uh, this was Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun when he was asked about his reaction after seeing the blown out door. Devastated, emotional. Um, I saw the picture. Everybody saw the opening, but what I really saw was the empty seat. And I had spent a week with my kids and grandkids, and uh, so enough said. And I know that he has said other things as well, but it's, again, what has changed? What has changed dramatically? Boeing's had a kind of a rough run uh, and and uh, with deadly consequences mm-hmm. in, in terms of mistakes that were made or oversight that wasn't there. So what has happened since then? I think the only thing that we've that has happened since then was going back to the Alaska CEO's message is telling how they plan on having their people, some of their staff be there with the oversight for Boeing. So they're going to have Alaska is going to have crews and things like that that are going to help maintain accountability. But Ursula, that goes to show you. So 
Boeing is in this position. So instead of Alaska just coming out being like, we're going to try to go towards this way with another company, they no, don't have that ability. No, they're committed to they're having committed. all Boeing. Yes. Yes. That's what stands out to me. Yeah. Is that we're we're going to take some of our people to make sure that we're going to be on the accountability of things and make sure the, the, the maintenance and everything like that as they get built are in place. This morning, oh. we found out Secretary of State Anthony Blinken had to change planes in Zurich yesterday after his modified Boeing 737 jet reportedly suffered a critical failure related to an oxygen leak. Last Saturday, there was that cracked window on a Boeing 737-800 uh, in the cockpit, which forced an all-Nippon Airways flight to return to the airport. I mean, Boeing has a PR issue for for real, and and, and beyond that... Yeah, I don't. I, I, even even the PR part, I don't think consumers right there, I, right now, they're just to the point where they're like, "Look, we don't care what your message is. We don't care what you have to say. Just get it fixed. Just get it fixed. Yes. This this can't continue because yes. everything else is just lip service." All right, uh, Ursula, I just wanted to let you know that. Uh, thank you for helping me uh, get through that segment. It, 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 As was, I said, it was kind of like vegetables. We're gonna yeah, that was a rough yeah, one. Yeah, we're, we're gonna do. Uh, we're was, gonna talk about dangerous roads in the region next. We're gonna bring Sully in. How's okay, that? Okay, let's do that next. Okay. Cheers. Show. As always, we invite you to join us on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973. Cairo, you are such an important part of our show. And you know who else is important? Our very own Chris Sullivan, who is here right now to tell us which roads are the most dangerous in the region and what's going to be done about them. Well, first of all, have you ever heard of a strode? A strode? Strode. No, street and road combo? Yes. Strode, a star road. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a, it, well, you could, well, it could be that too. But yeah, strode is yeah. a word that apparently has been used by by some urban planners for a couple of years, but it just made it into my universe uh-huh. this week when Roger Millar, the head of the Washington Department of Transportation, used it in a presentation to the legislature. Okay, I was like, okay, what is a so a strode is basically Aurora. Okay, Ah. it was built to go from Seattle to Linwood or on into Everett, right? It was in the old days, it was built to go between two places. Well, as our region has grown and developed, that has now filled in with apartments, businesses, Mm. you know, places where people actually go. It's not just a road between. So what we now have is mixed use, but yet we still have maybe a 45 mile or a 50 mile an hour speed limit, right? That doesn't necessarily meet the, you know, the uses of what a street is because a road is between two places. A street's kind of a place that's a destination. Like if you're going to your favorite restaurant, it's on X street. So you go to that street, but you might use a road to get there. Well, now these things are together. There are 1,100 of them under the DOT's, uh, 1,100 miles of them under the DOT's control, like 99, because they go through different cities and in those spots in between cities, they're, you know, they're DOT roads. Well, it turns out that the, the deadly crash rate on Strode's is double the statewide average and the serious collision 
rate is three times. Mm. So what we have, and I have one of these in my neighborhood. Uh, it's 132nd Southeast. Same kind of thing. A five-lane yep. road that used to go through the Buffalo Farm east of Mill Creek. Before Mill Creek was even a thing, it was yeah. built from I-5 to get over to like Highway 9. Well, that Buffalo Farm is gone. There are two schools there. Yeah. There's now a, a mixed-use bunch of development, right. yeah. but yet it's still 45. I see people running across five lanes of traffic to get from the apartments to the Safeway, which is across the street, because usually these roads have long areas without a crosswalk. Mm-hmm. And so they've become a dangerous place. And so the question becomes now, according to the Department of Transportation, we've come to the point where we've filled in enough that the question comes down to is, do we put the premium on getting somewhere fast, convenience, or do we worry about getting somewhere safe? And so he's like, maybe that's why we need to start banning free right turns on red. Maybe that's so why we need to, road diets. Or maybe what? road diets. Maybe we drop the speed limit down a little bit to make it maybe 40 instead of 45, like it was, is on parts of Aurora already as they've started to do this. So it's kind of okay. Do we have a shift in philosophy? And again, I'm not a war on cars guy. I never have. I'm a car advocate. Right? I advocate for our drivers. But at some point, you know, you can, can kind of see. Okay, well, does everybody get home safely, or do I spend an extra light? cycle waiting for a red. Okay, it's like a switch in philosophy in your head as we have now filled in and the uses of what we built are now different. So that's kind of what it's set up as. And I'd never heard so the word they, are, strode, are, are so are I they, just thought it was interesting. It is interesting. It's like a combo of street and road. But what what are we are they prioritizing? So do they have certain ones on the list that say, okay, we're going to try to address Not this? yet. No, it's one of those ah. where it's like, because they come up in P, I mean, because we've seen work done on Aurora in many different places. Like through Shoreline, they made it, uh, I mean, they've dropped it significantly. They've added more crosswalks, lighted crosswalks, other things, protected bike lanes, other things like that. Uh, so you might start seeing those on these five lane roads where you might have only seen them on a two lane or a three lane or in some place like that to make sure that all users get home safely. And not just the cars, uh, but yeah, because I mean the 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 equation has changed with all the the growth and development. Gee, so by the by the way, Ursula, prioritize seems to be a word for today. Yeah, it no, does. Yeah, I heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's go to the speed. Okay. Do you think most people would be against that? Yes. Oh, I mean, Well, why? because, I mean, we talked about it in parts of, uh, you know, in North Seattle on 99, right there on Aurora, where yeah. I was yesterday. They're like, oh, no, no, because they could still, because it has always been a 45 or, you know, it has always been a faster because it's an arterial. It's five lanes. It's not supposed to be something else. Well, it has turned into something else. And yeah. I mean, I would be, I mean, I like going 45 in my, uh, on that street in my neighborhood. You would, so you wouldn't want lower speed, but I mean, if they lowered it to 40, you know, I could live with that. 35 okay. seems a little much, uh, which they've done in some places. Uh, because yeah, I mean, there are parts of it where there aren't, there isn't development where it makes, some sense. So it's, it's, I think it's all about kind of finding the sweet spot. But yeah, most people would not be happy with lowering the speed. I yeah, wouldn't because, be, but you have to. Because already be... you're stuck in traffic so much. Correct. And yeah, I think again, it's, it's, you say it's not a war on cars. And I'll just say, I think it's just also another way to encourage people to use. More public transit, which right, and I understand that yeah, because I I've, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, again I'm a car guy, car advocate. No one's ever told me I'm other, but I'm just saying this is what it is. Kind of is the people would say, oh well, that's just a war on cars extension is what we're looking at now. But the data is pretty clear. I mean, if those and again, 
I am a person who puts personal responsibility on some of the pedestrians who end up getting injured or killed, who cross it's funny that you in the dark Aurora. in the middle of the light and got hit by a you know person got hit by a bus and killed for wearing all dark clothes crossed in yep. the in the middle of for a bus driver. I didn't even see him. What you unfortunately described. killed him happened exactly when my dad and mom were driving home on Aurora yeah. on Christmas Eve. They play a part in this too. The pedestrian walked right in the middle and I mean I'm happy to say that she survived but it was traumatic. Oh, you totally. Got, oh, you guys hit somebody? My dad did. Yeah. yeah. She, oh, yeah. She was crossing in the middle of and it was a... a and, that, and that's part of this too is that it shouldn't all be the cars that bear the responsibility. Everybody who uses a uses the road shares the responsibility and accountability for their own actions, yeah. whether they're puts themselves now. Unfortunately, I mean, Aurora, just just to make yeah. it clear, though, my, my dad was not cited. Aurora is notorious for people yeah. running. Yeah. It's happened twice this yes. year on ninety nine yeah. already, uh, and we all are responsible for or those, or those our own actions and and that. And the only problem is is that. A car versus a pedestrian, only yes. one person wins every time, no. right? Or a bicyclist, right? That's that's the unfortunate reality of it. Thanks, Sully. Thank you. Sure. Appreciate you. Hey, you guys know that uh, marijuana here in the state of Washington is legal, right? Well, the sales have come out for 2023. What's your guess? Did people smoke more or less than they did in 2022? Well, We'll tell you what that is next. Jennerson. So good morning, everybody. Appreciate all of you for listening to the show. Matt Markovich is going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour to tell us what's going on in the legislature. But right now, how are pot sales doing in the state of Washington? Well, recreational marijuana sales in Washington state have actually cooled down since the record-breaking months of COVID-19 pandemic. Ursula, it's almost like people were working from home and Or we're under a lot of stress. (laughs) In Washington, California, Colorado, and Oregon, year-over-year growth in the state slowed down in 2023. Washington State sold about $1.13 billion in adult-use marijuana through November of 2023, down slightly from the $1.18 billion it sold during the same period in 2022. So... I thought that this was important, Ursula, because I get an opportunity to tell you that the state of Washington has actually slowed down with the smoke. And I'm curious because you sent this uh, to us yesterday, and I was curious why it it caught your interest and also just what you make of it. Because I'm thinking, okay, during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I understand a lot. We we know that a lot of people were... Working from home. Working from home. More poor people got to go back to the office now. And so it lets me know that some of the good folks that was like, yo, hey, I got to go to the office two to three days a week. I can't be high when I go in. So more and more people are doing that, number one. Number two, another thing that stood out to me that I didn't say to you guys in the email is this. Like, man, 
there's a lot of this money that's coming in year after year. And I, I just don't feel in my heart and in my bones. Like, remember when this got passed in the first place and everybody was like, this is going to help out with taxes and everything. There's going to be so much of this money used towards this. But it seems like every day that you... Ursula are telling us about some new tax that's yeah. on the table. So that's another thing that I thought. I said, man, all this money in marijuana sales, and still there's more new taxes every single day. The other thing that uh, the study or this report looked at was um, they looked at market, the age in different markets, and uh, certain states had uh, different use. Like, for example, uh-huh. I mean, they looked at California, Colorado. Uh, Illinois, Maine, um, and the recreational use, marijuana sales, uh, you know, in a lot of places they went down, but a couple of other places, uh, they did go up. Um, You know my opinion on this whole thing. So I'm kind of deferring to all you. Okay. Because I look at it and go, okay, this is good news to me. (laughs) (laughs) I still, uh, people I love in my family, I'll still send them little, you know, articles or things to to give them um, motherly advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though it's legal, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you have to do it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still of that mindset. So when I look at this, I go, oh, great news. But it makes sense to me because... You know, it's no longer the no. pandemic. Now, I want because Rich text in and I, I want to because I don't want anybody to take my words and say, well, G said it's OK to smoke while you're working from home. That's not what I'm saying. I'm also saying that I am of the mind of understanding that when people work from home, they don't usually all the time work the full air quotes full eight hours. So therefore, they might get off a little early and partake in the Mary Jane. So I want to be clear about that, Ursula. Well, another thing uh, some people brought up was maybe people can't afford it this year. Uh, I don't know that if it's necessarily economically based. I mean, if 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 you're cutting, if you're looking at your budget, you and your significant other, and you're trying to cut back on a few things, yeah. That, that might be one of the first things that kind of go. Unfortunately, just food is another just, one. If it also in in places where it was just newly legalized, where you know there was kind of a run up to it, and then when it was first legalized, it was a big deal. But now it's like, eh. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I I know this was going to be good news. That's another reason why I I brought this up. I knew you'd like this. The fact that people are smoking less, <laughs> or at least with the sales and everything. Or maybe a isn't it a retail more. theft problem? It's a real reach. I mean, how many times do we see the pot shops, mash and grabs? Clearly, this is the criminals taking a bite out of Washington state revenue. I mean, honestly, another factor here could be price competition. It could be. So uh, because, yes. sales sales are dependent on what you're charging for the product. And when you have more and more licenses being handed out year after year, you have more pot shops competing with one another, which pushes down prices. So I think that's another factor. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, maybe no. it's the, the cost is going down. That so is, it doesn't necessarily mean usage is yeah. down. Uh, that, that's not what it looked at. Uh, someone asked, hey, does Ursula know or understand the health benefits and help with pain it has? Yes, I do. And I understand for some people it is medically necessary. Mm-hmm. I understand for some people it is um, something that is r- really improving their quality of life. Yeah. It just, you know, in my family, it, it hasn't had such great benefits. Well, I, I just want to say this. I know I'm not supposed to bring up conversations that happen off the air, but one of the themes today has been, I share it with Ursula and Chef, that I don't like some of my opinions about some of today's topics. And I asked that in the beginning of the show. Have you ever had a topic that you have an opinion about? It just is, yeah. and you actually don't like it. Ursula admitted to me, 
She doesn't like her opinion on the whole marijuana discussion. No. Because you already know I voted against legalizing. And, 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 and nothing has changed? Yeah. Uh, someone else is today. Someone has also taken issue with the fact I said the pandemic is over. The we're still dealing with COVID. Yeah. Okay, please. It's endemic now. Yeah, okay? it's endemic. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think Ursula, would you still days. vote that way? If we were having that vote held today, yes. would you still vote the same? Yes. I, you know what, man? Amazing. Like, I got so to tell you. Yeah. I respect anybody that just has things. They're just like, I'm not budging. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you probably there's that topic that you have that that, that that your family, your friends, and they try to talk you out of it, and they try to give you all these facts and figures, and you look at them and you say, "I ain't budging." No. <laughs> and and again, I say it through my mom lens. I say it through the lens of someone whose family yeah. has addiction problems, and right. um, you know it. Just the whole drug legalization does not yeah, sit well with yeah. me. Uh, Brant in the 360 says, gee, you don't have the information to make that assertion. The market could be flooded and a price drop could account for lower gross sales. Also true. I, I, let's just give it an opinion of what it could be. I don't know. All I know is they ain't getting my money and they ain't getting Ursula's money. How about that? Coming up next on the Jay Ursula Show, Matt Markovich is going to tell us what's going on in the legislature. We haven't had him on in a long time, so he's back checking out what's going on. And you know you need to know because other than that, you wouldn't be paying attention. So Mark is going to help us out. Excuse me, Matt is going to help us out with that. It's Jay Ursula.